This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. This is Pasha, Pasha, Vayigash. Vayigash, Elav Yehuda. Oh, there it goes. And Yehuda approached him. Vayom, B, please, Adoni, my master. Okay. So, the whole thing between Yehuda and Yosef. I got into war. You know what happened over there? You know what went on? Yehuda, I was wearing like six, six shirts and his chest here went through all of them. That's so angry one. That's pretty scary. I don't want to mess with someone like that, right? Oh, you got a clipper? Beautiful. In the Yalkut Shimoni it says, Yalkut Shimoni, Yehuda approached Joseph, right? Avala Yehuda li Yosef. Yehuda said to Yosef, Binyamin at the toughest? You took my brother Binyamin? And you think that my, that it's gonna be okay with my father? Oh no. Miyad immediately calls Yehuda, Yehuda got angry, Bishag, Bakol Rami yelled in a loud voice. And his voice carried four hundred pasos. Ad, Shishama, Chusha ben Dun. Chusha ben Dun was Death. Yehuda yelled, I don't know what this means. Yehuda yelled so loud, the Chushim had done who was deaf heard him. That's pretty loud. So like he, he probably felt the vibrations. He was deaf. But that's what he says here. At Yeshama Chushim had done. Until Chushim had done heard it. The Kofat's Meretz Canaan, he jumped from Meretz Canaan. And they began to yell, both of them. Chushim had done who killed Esav, chopped off his head. And Yehuda. And they were going to turn over the home of Tzrayim. That's it, man. You're messing with my brother. The Yemen, you're all going down. Don't mess with the Jewish brothers. So the Jewish brothers, right? He goes on. But Yosef had his own his own chevra. He had a frame of Menashe. They weren't either. They weren't weak. Well, Yehuda yelled, the teeth of everybody who started to shake. When the brothers saw Yehuda get angry, they became angry. And they began to stamp on the ground. They made holes. This was like a war. This was a war. Kevin, Shira Yosef, Siman and Shayhuda. When Yosef saw that Yehuda was getting very angry, Shukhoyas Miyad, that he's getting he's losing his temper. Mizdava Omar, Oyli Shemi Hageni. Uh oh, I'm in trouble, Yosef said. He's gonna kill me. What was the Simanim of Yehuda that he saw that he got very scared? Aino Shayyamim Zalegas dumb. His right eye was bleeding, was tearing blood. Pretty angry. 
That's pretty angry. And some people say, He was wearing five shirts. And a hair from his chest hair, when he got angry, he started yelling, cut through all five things of clothing. Whoa. So, Yosef realized he was in big trouble. What did he do? The block of stone that he was sitting on, but he kicked it. He kicked it so hard, Yosef, that he made it all into pebbles. So he was showing Yehuda, like, darling, because uh, Yehuda didn't know he was Yosef. Like, you think you're going to show me some tricks with the hair and your chest and mice? I'm going to show you what I can do. He kicked a boulder of rock and it turned into pebbles. Okay? Oh. Omar Yehuda, Yehuda said to the brothers, this guy, you know, yet it was Yosef. This guy is as strong as we are. Yehuda said, I'll take care of him. Yehuda took his sword and he wanted to pull it out of the sheath. It would not, it would not go out. He just kept pulling it. It was like magic. He couldn't get it out. This guy over here, whoever he is, he's Yerushimayim. But it didn't stop him. He still wanted to kill him. Okay. That was Yehuda. That was Yehuda and Yosef. There's it, a lot more of that magic. It only has a little bit of it. A lot more. He got 300 men. Amal Yosef. Mitzrayim like Shechem. You think you guys are going to come here and wipe us out like you did Shechem? You're talking Mitzrayim, talking Salaam. If you destroy Mitzrayim, all the food of the world will be destroyed. Everyone's going to die. Amal Yehuda, and you posech bivu baltach. I'll open my mouth, I'll swallow you alive. Amal Yosef, Yosef said, if you open your mouth, I need Sesmo Be'ev, and I'll stick a rock in it. <laughs> they were going at it, man. They were going at it. Yosef and Yehuda were going at it. You open your mouth to swallow me, I'll stick a rock in it. Amaloi, Melech, I love you, my Amaloi. Yehuda said, if I go back to my father with Abinyam, what should I tell him? He said, tell him, the, the string in a, in a well, the string that holds the, the pail. So the, the string follows the pail. Who didn't know what he meant? He got very angry. He said, Yosef sent for 300 soldiers immediately. What happens? He yelled at them. Tzavach Yehuda Kolechad. He gave out one huge yell. They all fell. And Yosef fell out of his chair. And their teeth fell out. He flipped them over. Their heads turned. And they couldn't turn it back till the day they died. Because he yelled. Paro fell off a throne. You hear what's going on here? You don't mess with Yehuda. Okay.
Now, the question is, why did Yehuda do this when he first came down? Why did he wait? Baruch atadi noy aliheinu melech alam He's the king of the world. He's the king of the world. Tomorrow, I'm making a little clip, two minutes and twenty seconds, on talking about David. Not talking about David. So they asked me to do it. I think the last the Rebbe Gamliel's went viral, whatever it is. So I was very disturbed um, yesterday. I was in a shul here in Flatbush. So all the all the kids had off yesterday because of Zayis Hanukkah, right? Yesterday was Hanukkah, Monday it's Hanukkah, right? So they had all have Zayis Hanukkah. There were a lot of kids in shul. These two boys were sitting next to me. I'm sitting here. Two guys sitting here. They looked like they were just by mitzvah. So the tzulim was all shiny and it was like tight. You know how kids are there by mitzvah they take the tzulim from the beginning of davening until the end. They were all, they were looking at their phones. These are 13 year old kids with iPhones or big phones out of Samsung's. The whole davening, except for Hallow, he took it and turned it over. He got it for Hallow. We rest the davening. Like, what kind of crazy parents are there in the world? Like, why would you give your kid a 13 and a half an iPhone? And then, if, you, if you're going to do that, and you're going to send them to davening, sit next to him. You think he's going to sit with an iPhone and daven? Sit next to him. Ah, you're going to tell him you have to go to work, so then get up early and make him sit next to you by davening. I sat next to my father every davening, every tefillah. That's why I don't talk about davening. I don't have a, I don't have a problem with it. I always was sitting next to him. <coughs> I was ready to rip their heads off. I controlled myself. I just was davening this kid's face, like while I was reading the stuff. They didn't even look up. Hi, and he shows his friend some toy, some like thing that he was looking at. So the two of them were on their phones the whole time. Mamish the whole davening, except when they had to get up by hollow. They just turned it over like this. I don't know. Just turned it over. I, I'm not saying. I don't want to say what names. Are they He wasn't standing next to him. I was standing. The kids were carrying on, and somebody saw it. Went over to the father. Say, what are they? Like, take care of them. Take care. You kindleach. Anyway. So what I want to say, I wanted to say, I'm going to say tomorrow, Chatasi, I need my sins, I, uh, I will say out and open. So many years ago, I was invited to go to the Met, Metropolitan Opera to see an opera called La Travietta. It's a, it's a, it's a Latin, I guess, a Latin Spanish opera. But it's a very famous opera. So, when you go to the opera in the Met, you go into the limo and it talks Azainazans, right? Everybody checked their phone at least four hundred times to make sure that it was off. You don't want in the middle of an opera while the opera is singing and all of a sudden eh, eh, ding a ling right? Forget it, everyone's gonna stare at you, you're dead, you're dead. You're so dead. But it was like, no one, you didn't have to have a guy walking around telling you, shut your phone off, shut your phone off. You're in an opera. And I, you know, I was preparing for the speech this, um, t- today. I was going to speak today, but I'm going to speak tomorrow. And I, I, I saw Kava Yasha. And Kava Yasha says, that when you go to shul, 
you should kiss the walls of the shul. That's how holy it is. And he brings down that. I never knew this. I saw this when I was preparing for the speech. That the Kohanim in the Beis Hamidosh used to kiss the walls of the Beis Hamidosh. They were that Kaddish. So to get up and make a speech about not talking in shul, I feel like such an idiot. Like, what are you, what are you crazy? Why would you talk in shul? It's an opera. By the way, all the guys who come to shul in shorts and sandals. You don't go to opera, they won't let you in. They will not let you into the Met in social shorts and sandals. Everyone's in a tux. You don't come into the Met in jeans either. It's like, it's the Metropolitan Opera. That's like an opera, it's a play. So why don't we feel that way about shul? Why do we have to talk so much about not talking in shul? Why would you talk in shul? You're in front of the king, you're coming into his palace, into his turf. And you're coming because you want things. You're dominating. So why do we have to even talk about it? Like, what's the, what's the Havamina talking about? And I, I saw such horrible things today. The Kaviyashi brings out, if you talk by davening, then your tefillahs go to the, our, our good tefillahs go to the crown of Hashem, your bad tefillahs go to the crown of the Satan. Ooh. You want to be part of the crown of the Satan? I'll tell you something even worse. The Avas Chaim says that the only Avera that Hashem has a problem with is talking in Shul. Every other Avera, the Sultan comes to be Makatrik, he says, Jews are sleeping there with, 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 with the women, they're, they're doing immoral things, and, and they're stealing, and they serve by the Zara, and they don't keep Shabbos. And it's the protective Klaishul is, that's true, but more Goyim are doing that than Jews, so leave us alone. When it comes to talking about davening, the, 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 the protecting angel has nothing to say. Because the Sultan comes up and says, look, you Jews are talking about davening, the Goyim don't talk about davening. I don't think in the church or in a mosque there's a please don't talk about while you're praying. I don't think so. I think they know automatically that they're not allowed to talk. I heard a big tzaddik who protected the Jews. He said, so why do Goyim not talk about Dominic and we do? Because he hates the horror of a guy when he's in, when he's in church is not to talk about Dominic by prayer. The Yetzirah wants him to pray to Yashka, like a boy to Zara. So he, the Yetzirah is not to talk by Dominic. Our Yetzirah, right, is to talk by Dominic, the opposite, because he doesn't want it. So it's a, it's a struggle, but it shouldn't be a struggle. I remember walking in there, I was in such awe. I went on, it was a business, it was a business trip that I had to go with these people. Like, wow, stage opened up, and the curtains opened up, and everybody sat there, dressed to kill, with their bow ties and their tuxes and all the limos were lined up in front. Who gets dressed like that to go down into Hashem? Guys come in shorts and in jeans and uh, that's better than nothing, maybe, I think. Right? Yes. But why don't you feel that you're in awe? You're, you're like in the Metropolitan Opera. You should show up in a limo dressed in a tux to down into Hashem. Where's that awe? And you know, it's very funny because, not funny, but um, in tefillah, it says that machsh, your, your, your actual tefillah, the words that you say, create the malach. More words, more louder, the bigger the malach. The, the words that come out of the malach, and when it gets to Shemayim, because it goes up in front of Hashem, is your machshava. So, Da, 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 da. And now the tefillah of Moshe ben Yisrael Friedman is coming, is being brought to Hashem. 
speak Samurai Malach because Moshe Ben Yisrael Friedman that morning screamed out in the evening Oh man everyone's like yo big Malach this is good for the Jews and the Malach comes in front of Hashem <coughs> I am the Malach of Yosef whatever his name is but Yosef Ben Malka okay the Machshava that you had now speaks so um, very disappointed with the Giants yesterday and whatever you were talking to your friend about, that's what comes, or your machshava, that's what comes out of the malach's mouth. Could you imagine in front of Hashem, your malach is talking nonsense about real estate, about all these other things? Malach, like, get him out of here, shoot, in front of the king? That's, that's what happens. That's very scary. You know, I dive into an I have, I say, before I dive into an because I know that during Shemunesra, I'm going to be traveling. Right? When the best ideas come to your head, guys? When you're down in The best stuff comes. I have a friend that will not, any idea he has during Shemunesra, he will not, he will not act on. He was macabre on himself. I will not act on it. The best ideas, why? Because who come, who shows up? Satan. Shemunesra is the closest you can get to Hashem by dominating. So Satan comes and he gives you all these crazy ideas. Good ideas. Right? So, I know I travel in my, in my dominating. I'm all over the place. To say Tzvilsaderach, and sometimes I even go overseas. So after, after I say Oisah Shalom, I bench Gremel. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. I'm not really do that, but, but, but imagine, imagine, you are Malach, right? Moshe Friedman, Moshe Friedman's Malach is here to speak to Hashem. Walks into the Kisya cover and opens its mouth, talking about Michael at work, and I'm not sure if I really like him, and the Malach like. Toss him. He's talking like that in front of Hashem. It's 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 the worst. It's it, it's it's such a chil Hashem. It's because you know I was preparing this morning, so I was looking at like such a chil Hashem. He's supposed to kiss the walls. Can you imagine that? You walk into Shul. I'll show you the Kamiyasha. Says go over to the walls and kiss it. It's like a. It's it's so holy. It's like a mamish like a base something dash. It's hard to understand why we have to even put up signs that you, sh- you shouldn't talk by davening. How could you talk by davening? You talk, you're here to talk to the king. You're like, I'm here to praise you, king. And then you turn around and you're talking to someone else. Rabbi Gamliel says, you should see his tape. Rabbi Gamliel says, you're worse than Esau. A guy who talks by davening is worse than Esau. Why? Because Esau got something for it. He got, right? He, was a, he, he sold the Bechaira. He got beans and he got bread. He says, what are you getting? By talking about Davin. You're getting nothing. You still do it. Esau was Mavaza the Bechaira. Well, let me explain it to you a little better. Esau was Mavaza the Bechaira. Right? How do you say Mavaza in English? Embarrassed. Embarrassed. Scorned. Scorned. Embarrassed. He embarrassed and scorned the Bechaira. Right? What's the Bechaira? Bechaira is... The Bechor was able to bring the Korbanos to Hashem. What's Tfila Praying. Tfila is bringing Korbanos to Hashem. So he was Mavazad Bechorah. Rabbi Gilo said, but he had bread and beans. You're Mavazad the Bechorah. You're Mavazad the Korbanos. You're Mavazad the Tfila Because that's, that's the Avaida. And you're not even getting bread and beans. He said, you're worse than Esau, which he said. Guy okay, who talks about Davin, you're worse than Esau. This Esau got, 
is have got something. You're not getting anything. You're getting Gehenna. That's what you're getting. So I was like, wow. Okay. You remember I spoke about um, that by Yemoy and Yaakov. I spoke about it this week again. That by Yemoy and Yaakov, Yaakov refused to be comforted. By Yemoy and Yosef, and Yosef refused Potiphar's wife. What gave him the power to refuse Potiphar's wife? Because he knew that his father refused to give up on him. And when you know in life that there's someone out there, it could be Rabbi Wallerstein, could be your father, your mother, could be a different Rebbe, could be a friend, that that person does not give up on you, then you won't give up on yourself. Even in war. One of the things they said about the Israeli army is that if a guy gets lost or he gets left behind or he gets injured or he gets killed, they will always go back for their soldiers. They will never leave them there. When you know that, it gives you a certain kayak. That, that someone has your back. Well, he had Yosef knew that his father had his back. How did Yosef know that his father had his back? Because Yosef knew that if they didn't bring his father a body, they brought him a coat with blood on it, right? But they didn't bring him a body. Yosef knew, until my father loved me so much, until he sees a body, he is not giving up on me. So that was always a svaro that I used, to, I used to always talk about. And this week's passage is the proof to it. If you look in Pasichav Ches, listen to this. So Yehuda's talking to Yosef here, and he's saying that my servant, my father, said to us, you know, that my wives gave me 12 children. One of them, I got lost. He left me. And they said he was ripped to pieces. Ready? Here it is. But I haven't seen him till now. One second. You said he, you just said he was ripped and he died. What do you, what do you mean you haven't seen him till now? Of course you haven't seen him till now. I mean, died. How would you have seen him till now? What's the plus mean? The, but the answer is that he was saying, they came to me and told me he's ripped. But I haven't seen him till now. I still think he's alive. Otherwise, why are you saying, I haven't seen him till now? What are you saying that for? If he's dead, of course you didn't see him till now. Well, how would you see him? I said this over last night at a share. And a guy came to me over after. He said, the Medrash says, so what does this mean? That Yaakov said, if Yosef would be dead, he would have come to me in a dream. So he said, the Lord we east of Adhena, I haven't seen him in a dream till now. Then he's not dead. He said, would come to me in a dream? He would have told me what happened. He didn't come to me in a dream. He said, there's another measure that says that Yaakov, through his Ruch HaKodesh and his words, he went to Shemayim to look for Yosef in Ganeiden. And I couldn't find him. So he said, if he's not in Ganeiden, he's not dead. So they told me, I went to look for him in the next world. And I didn't see him till now. So he really believed that he was alive, yes. Why don't you go to look for him here? You know, um... His Ruch HaKadr shut down. His Ruch HaKadr shut down. He couldn't, he, he had no more Ruch HaKadr after that. He looked for him in Shemayim and after that he lost it. What? What? He searched the net, but you know, didn't show up on Google. No, Yaakov didn't. Yaakov didn't think that Yosef was the leader of Mitzrayim. 
No, he knew that there was some other force that had to be as equal as he could to let him cry like that, where they were. He was actually very scared, because I believe that Yosef was, when he met Yosef, Yosef was dressed as an Egyptian, and he said, I'd rather that he's not alive than he's an Egyptian, but then he realized that Yosef kept all the Torah mitzvahs. Okay, the big Pasuk this week, the main discussion this week, in this week's parsha is Yosef could not hold it in. He was really a good guy, Yosef. It's other. He let out a yell. Vayishmu Mitzrayim, the Mitzrayim heard it. Vayishmu based power, everybody heard it. Vayomer Yosef Elechov. Yosef said to his brothers, Ani Yosef. Haor Avichai. Now. Vayachlu Echov Anus Oisik in the Halom Vipanov. They could not answer the question because they were in shock by his face. Now. Everyone here, how many times did they tell Yosef that their father was alive? Why would he think that they're not alive? Beautiful chidah. Why would he think, right? And what does this mean by Yithalumi pun of? And they, they were like in awe of his face, Mipanov. So Yosef said like this, beautiful shot. Yosef said, I look exactly like my father. I have a beard. His father had a beard. And he, we know that the Kuno Shalavit, they looked exactly alike. The Yosef said, How could it be that they don't recognize me? My father was alive, then they just saw him, right? When they left Canaan, they just saw him. And now they see me, they put two and two together. They don't recognize me, probably, because my father's dead already five, six years, and they forgot what he looks like. So therefore, he said, I need Yosef, I owe it is my father still alive? Because how could you not know who I am? By Yivam Mipanov, they were in awe of his face. Because they looked at his face now and they're like, oh my gosh, how did we miss this? He looks exactly like his father. How did we miss this? And how did they miss it, Taka? The Egash, all everything that happened when he came down to the tribe and went back and forth. They came to the tribe, they looked at their brother, their brother looked like their father. Boom, they should say, oh, Yosef, what's up? The Pontic says, they didn't recognize him because they were looking for, they were looking for him in all the wrong places, says the measures. They came to Mitzrayim, the first, the first place they went was to the prostitutes, to the red light district. He's got to be there. When you, and I talk about this all the time, when you make a judgment on someone, that that's where you're going to find them by the prostitutes, then when you're looking at him a second to the king, you're not going to recognize him. Is this what you think? Is this, is this what you think the kid? I told you the story in Glatmart, right? I told you the story in Glatmart with my student, with the girl that that she was way off the derrick. She came to my high school. We turned her around. She became friends with a shaitel, got married, a kid. She's in Glatmart shopping for Shabbos, and she meets the principal who threw her out in ninth grade. And she's she's not she's not angry at them. She's a really good girl. She's not angry at them. So she runs over to him and she she says. Do you recognize me? He goes, no. It was Shaitl. He goes, no. She goes, I'm so-and-so. He goes, you're so-and-so's sister. She goes, no, no, no. I'm so-and-so. He says, impossible. 
Impossible. Instead of telling her, I'm proud of you, look what you turned into. Impossible. She called me up, she said, Rabbi, I'm shaking. I'm shaking. I'm so hurt. I came such a long way, the guy says, impossible, instead of, wow. I said, because he passed on you in ninth grade that you're a loser. You're a loser. So he expected to hear about you, that you married a guy, that you went off the dead, because he's always right. Once he poskin that you're a loser, he can't accept this girl who's in front of him. So he said, it's impossible. Because if it's possible, then I'm an idiot. I'm wrong. I threw out a good kid. Impossible is what happened over here. They're looking for him by prostitutes. And he's sitting a second to the king, saving the world. They're looking the guy in the face. They don't recognize, just like this principal. Looking him in the face, it's like, can't be him. And, and, and you see over here, you see over here that they've been, they were like, until he said he was Yosef, they thought he was a process of a, a boy prostitute. He's a low life. He's a nobody. Now he's like, I need Yosef. I'm second to the king. They're like, I recognize you. How can you recognize me before? Because in your head, I was a loser. And his dreams came true. Because he was a pretty boy. And they, they made fun of him that he used to brush his hair all the time and look in the mirror. So they figured that's where he ended up. <coughs> and not a lot of pasting on a person. People change. People grow. People grow. Not instead of saying impossible, he should have said, I am so proud of you. I made the biggest mistake. I should have kept you. He could have made her feel so good. He could have made it, you know, all that time that she was felt different and thrown out of school, he could have made good on it. Instead, he was like the brothers. He's like, you can't. That can't be. It's impossible. And, and the major says that Gehenna opened up under their feet. Because what is the worst thing that can happen to a person? You live your whole life as a lie. They paskin. It says in it says in the Yalkut that the minute he said in Yosef, he was in Cherem. They put him in Cherem. They took him out of Cherem. The second he said it, they took him out of Cherem. You, you, you have to believe in people. You have to believe in their in their and there are possibilities. So you see that Yaakov Aminu said, uh, they talked to Abiyaz, but I haven't seen him till now, which means I intend, I will see him. I haven't seen him till now. Now I'm never going to see him again. So you see that he believed it. Now the question is, he should have said, no, you think this is beautiful, I love this part. This is really for all of us. What did he say? <coughs> he said, I need Yosef, Ha'od Avichai. He should have said what? Ani Yosef Ha'od Avinu Chai. He's our father. So he should have said, Ani Yosef, I'm Yosef, Ha'od Avinu Chai is our father still alive. He didn't say that. He said, Ha'od Avi is my father alive. My high. He's telling, he's, he's talking to all the brothers, Ha'od Avinu Chai, Ha'od Avinu, Ha'od Avinu, Ha'od Avinu Chai, right? So, the terrace is beautiful. He gave him such musr, Without telling the Muslim, he gave him such much. He said, He said like this. If I'm my, you have to hold up for a second. If I'm my father's son, but you don't consider me as your brother, then you can't be my father's son. If I'm my father's son, and you're not my brother, then you can't be my father's son. So until now, they didn't give him recognition as a brother. 
So he said to them, Haud Avichai. He's only my father. You guys, you were Makabalmi. So if you were Makabalmi, then he's not Avinu, he's not our father. He's my father. He did it. Give them a word of Musr. You have to understand after what they did to him all these years, and now he has his chance to rip them. Rip them. You were wrong. You judged me wrong. What you did to me could have ripped them, but that wasn't who he was. So he ripped the, He sort of ripped them a little bit without ripping them. He just, he gave them Musr without saying, but you know what he said to them? But they couldn't answer him. They were like looking at his face and they're like, how could we have not seen this, right? But Yom Yosef Elechel, I love him. Listen to Yosef HaTzadik. Listen to Yosef HaTzadik. Gishuna Eli. This is what I wanted my whole life. Come close to me. Come close to me. By Yigosha, they came close. By Yomer, now he changes it. Ani Yosef Achichem. Asher Vachatam Oisim Mitzrayim. But now look how nice he makes it. The Ata Ata Yatsvu. Don't be depressed. Don't be upset. That you sold me. Why? You didn't do nothing. Hashem sent me to Mitzrayim to save the world. What kind of tzaddik he was? He, 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 instead of saying, you guys, you made a judgment call. You made a bezdin. You put me in cherem. You try to kill me and you sold me. Ha! That's what I would have done. I made it! In your face! See? My dreams? Did you all bow down to me? You all bow down to me! What's the sweetest thing in the world? The sweetest is sweet revenge. Is revenge. Yeah, you thought, yeah, you looked at me over there. You guys thought, yeah, you were right. You were all wrong. You're passing wrong. I'm alive and look where I am. Instead, what does he say? As he says, guys, you didn't do anything wrong. There's Bashar. I got sold to Mitzrayim. You thought it was, you did a bad thing. I got sold to Mitzrayim to save Mitzrayim. Not even for one second. The minute he told them who he was, he, he didn't even give them Musr. He didn't give them Musr. He right away consoled them. I was just telling someone this Shabbos. No one talks about this Midah of him. You see, all the way in the beginning, when he, when he had to deal with the Shvachos, the, 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 the maidservant's children, he was the one that protected them. He was always into helping others. And really, that's what saved the world. So I wasn't here last week. Right? But where I was, I spoke about this. I think this is this is Shem Shemping's, I believe. This is such a narrative of art. What saved Yosef in prison? What saved him? No, in prison. The dreams, right? The dreams of the Khatumim. No, it's not what saved him. Yosef had a Midah, and, and, and we have to try to have that Midah. Yosef had a Midah that he always felt bad for people who weren't doing well. He was very sensitive to people who were in pain. So the, 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 the maidservant's children who were in pain, he protected them. He went back to his father and he said, the brothers are calling them Avadim. He was very protective of those kids because the other tribes were giving them a very hard time. They were being bullied. Listen to what happened in prison. What happened in prison 
What saved the world and saved him is the following. Okay. So Yosef was the, they made him the head jail man, the head warden. So first of all, the Pesach is telling us that he saw them. He looked at them. He cared about them. He saw their faces were aggrieved. They were very grieved. They were, they were upset. He saw them, they were, they were upset. Why do you look depressed today? Had he not done that, they wouldn't have told him his dream, their dream. He wouldn't have translated it. The Sar Hamashkin, when Paro had the dream, would have never said, we have a Jew that knows how to do dreams, because he wouldn't have done the dreams. The reason that he got to, to, to get to the dreams of these two was three things. Vaya, get off your flipping phone. Because when you're on your phone, you don't see nothing. You don't see anything else that's going on. These kids were sitting there davening on their phones yesterday morning. They didn't even see me in their face. I didn't want, I didn't want to give them muster. So I was like, These guys, both of them, sitting right here. The kid didn't even look up. I want him to look up and see me looking at his phone. He'd feel bad and put it away. He didn't even pick up his head. You can't see someone else's pain if your face is in a phone and if you're very busy with yourself. So the first thing was, he saw them. The second thing was, he saw their mood. They were depressed. Okay, it's my problem if I go on the bus and the lady next to me sitting there looks depressed. That's my problem also. I got to worry about her. The answer is yes. Because he saw they were depressed, what happened? Right? He said to them, Why today is your face? Why do you look depressed today? And they told him, the dreams and everything else, and then he translated it. So the, the thing that saved Yosef at Tzadik was that he saw and he asked, why, why, why are you having a hard time? And that was... That was his kayach. That's what he did by the maidservants also. He was a very nice person. He cared about other people. Okay? Alright. Now, let's go back to our Pasha. So this Ha'oyra is big, is big, is big. Why is this big? First of all, first of all, it's big because one of the translation is is Hashem still alive? Not his father Yaakov. I knew Yosef. Like, how did you do this to me? Isn't there a God? Isn't he alive? Isn't he present? How did you sell me? You sold me? He wasn't talking about Yaakov. He's talking about Kosh Baruch Like, how did you do this? Interesting. Um, I had this week talking about is, talking about is God still alive? This is a fascinating thing that happened, and I've used it since then a few times. 
Beis Yaakov teacher shows up with a girl. Um, she needs to talk to me. This girl has a lot of questions. Okay? They come to my house. They sit down. From 10th grader. From, from, from. I said, okay. What do you got? She goes, well, how do you know there's a Hashem? I said, give me all your questions and then I want time and then I'll try to answer them. She, I said, she said, why are we here? If there is Hashem, why are we here? I said, Hashem built a, a world to do chesed, to give us chesed. So if that's the case, how do you know Hashem didn't put it on automatic? He created the world. So, Rabbi Walton, all your answers on proof of creation of the world and atheism is stupid and all that is stupid, right? Fine. But how do you know? He didn't create the world and put it on automatic. I said, because he created the world for chesed. So she said, it's not a chesed. If you create a world that feeds humans forever automatically and gives them... If, you took, if, if I put an air conditioning in for you and I let it run for the whole summer, it's not a chesed? I have to be there? It's a good question. It's a good questions, right? So she started firing all these questions at me. Who's God? Who created God? Does he have a father? Will he ever die? Tenth grader. I'm like, whoa. Right? So I looked at her, and I'm like, um, can I ask you a question? She goes, sure. I said, now it's my turn. She says, sure. Listen carefully. This is, this is, Hashem sent it to me. It's brilliant. Not because I said it. It's so brilliant. It's such a, it's such a truth. It's such an MS. I love MS. This is such an MS. I said to her, do you know the story of the three angels that came to Avraham Avinu? Yeah. Full, Gavriel, Michal, like good. I said, do you know Pashas by Yishlach, Yaakov Malachim? What does Rashi say on the word Malachim? Just go know how to learn. It's very from. She said, yeah, Malachim Mamish. He said, real angels. I said, how many times, you're a 10th grader, how many times did you learn the story of Avram Avinu and the three angels? Eight times, nine times, yeah. And the story of Yishlach, Yaakov Malachim? Eight times, yeah. Did you ever ask, what does an angel look like? Did you ever ask, are angels born? Did you ever ask, do angels have fathers? Did you ever ask, did angels come to the world and then leave it on automatic? All the questions you have on God, same question on angels. I don't see them. I don't feel them. How do you know they're here? Who created them? Where did they go? Where do they come from? How do they move? How do they, right? I said, you learned about the ladder? No problem. Angels going up and down. No questions. Same questions you have on God, you have on angels. I said, Shefala, how come you didn't ask any questions on angels? It's just as weird. It's just as hard to understand. It's just as invisible. You learned it. Yishach Yaakov, you learned it. Avram Avinu, you learned it. In Yaakov's dream, you learned it. And you never had a question? She goes, no. I said, you know why? Because who cares? <laughs> Angels don't tell me what to do. They don't give me mitzvahs. They don't tell me what's bad, what's good. So I don't really care. I don't need, you know, it doesn't, it's fine to believe in them because it doesn't, they don't interrupt my life. 
So I don't need to ask questions about them. I said, exactly. I said, so you're in 10th grade and you're talking to boys and you feel really bad about it, so you get rid of Hashem and you have all these questions? So she doesn't answer me. <laughs> of course that's what happened. What's the question? Otherwise, if you, really, if you really have questions on things you can't see, so first ask about angels before you get to God. Angels are harder to understand. God, something had to... Some, God, you could say something had to create the world. We understand nothing from nothing, you know. You can't say that this bottle, there were two plastic cups, right, that I left in my drawer, and they sort of melted together, and while they were melting together, it started raining, and it filled up the bottle with water. So we're all saying, what are you smoking, man? That is the craziest story I ever heard. That's psychedelic, man. Two cups and that. What are you crazy? You crazy, right? So, so that's, so we understand creation. So I understand there's a higher power that did something. But angels, they didn't create nothing. So even a bigger question. An angel's even a bigger question. I wonder if anyone ever proved angels. Nobody ever asked. I wonder if Aisha Torah ever proved angels. Right? They have 12 ways of proving God. Did anyone ever prove angels? So how come no one in this room ever had a problem? You all learned it. You see an angel? No. If you see an angel, you're going to die, it says. Ah, they set it up so that we should believe in it. Because if you see it, you're going to die. So I'm not going to see it. Right? So uh, we, we can have a whole Torah in here. We should have a whole drasha of prove angels. No one in my life, Baruch Hashem, I'm 58 years old. No, no Talmud, no man, no boy, no girl, no woman ever asked me, Rabbi? I don't believe in angels. Prove it. Never. How come? You learn about them. Angels, they changed clothing, they went to Rome, they ate, they didn't eat. Ah, all kinds of action. Well, nobody asks any questions. Why? Because they're not telling me what to do. So I said to Hashem's telling you what to do. So you have to get rid of them. So I told them the following. I think this is very important. It's very important for all of us. I told you many times, there are no atheists. You have to get rid of Hashem because of your behavior. Right? Whatever you are, whatever you're going through, right? So, I said to her the following. Meanwhile, she didn't admit it. She didn't admit it yet. I said, I'm a diabetic. Diabetes, I read about it. I know about it. My mother's a diabetic. Um, I take medicine for it. I don't take shots yet. Baruch Hashem. Not yet. Um... It's a, it's a terrible machla and, and half the world has diabetes. It's very, very hard to beat. I take my sugar. I see my numbers. Right? So I'm sitting in my house and my struggle is potato chips. We've talked about this. And potato chips is a starch. And starch is worse than sugar because starch becomes sugar. So your body produces the sugar. You take in sugar, you can break it down, but you're, you're producing the sugar. So like, the worst thing you can eat is rice and potatoes, like, and bread. It's like the worst thing you can eat. So I'm sitting in my house and I have this war every night with potato chips. Right? So I'm sitting there and I have a bag of potato chips. I'm like, I gotta have this bag of potato chips. And I open it up, a wise bag of potato chips, and I eat it. Now I finish the bag of potato chips. I can do two things. I can say like this. I'm a diabetic. It's not good for me. I couldn't control myself. I did something really bad. It's not good for me. And I gotta be, make sure I don't have potato chips in my house anymore. I gotta be more careful. Or, I could say, diabetes? 
made up that stupidity? How do you know that the high numbers are bad? Maybe the higher the number, the better. <laughs> and, and, and who wrote all the research? A bunch of idiots who don't want us to eat potato chips and sugar. I don't believe in the whole thing. So now I'm going to stuff myself with chocolate cake, ice cream, chocolate, potato chips, sushi, until I die. <laughs> right? My sugar's going to go to 900,000 billion, billion, trillion, and goodbye. I said to this girl, that's what you're doing. You're a from girl. You know there's a Hashem. You know, about, you know diabetes, but you have, you're talking to a boy. You have a bag of potato chips. And it's not good for you. I said, but don't throw... Don't say there's no such thing as diabetes. Don't throw the whole Torah away. Separate the two. There's a Torah. What I'm doing is wrong. There's diabetes. And when I'm eating bag potato chips, I'm wrong. And it's not good for me. And I'm doing something wrong. But because of that, I'm not, don't go out and eat chocolate and stuff your face with sugar and throw away all the research and everything in diabetes. Separate the two and realize that you could do something wrong. You could have a taiva that doesn't mean that Hashem doesn't exist. Because I'm eating the potato chips and I'm not listening to what the doctors say doesn't mean that the doctors are wrong. Separate the two. Because a lot of the kids and a lot of the people that become atheists don't say they don't believe in Hashem because they can't separate them. I can't do this and believe in Hashem. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. There's a thing called taiva and it's a struggle and sometimes you lose. Don't throw what is it, the baby with the, with the bath water out together. Don't throw them all out. So it was a very important lesson. So she looked at me and she said, can you, get, can you help me get rid of him? I said, no problem. We'll work on this together. Do I have to tell you who he is? I'm like, no. I said, do you have any more questions on Hashem? Mm-hmm. No, I didn't really have questions on Hashem. Thank you. I said, have a good day. Her teacher called me an hour later. Rabbi Wallace, we took her to Rebetzin's, to a therapist, to people. You sat there for 10 minutes and you knew she was talking to a boy? And I'm like, of course. Because a from girl doesn't step out of Yiddishkeit because she woke up one morning and her pillow wasn't cold or something else was wrong. She stepped out of Yiddishkeit because she had a bag of potato chips and she couldn't deal with it. You have to be able to deal with when a person slips up and makes a mistake. But the reason I'm telling you this story is because this thing with the angels is huge. I just used it on a kid today. I said, how come you have no questions on angels? And I blew the kid away. He was like, I don't know. I said, you knew about them for a long time. I said, because they don't tell you what to do. So they don't bother you. You only have questions on something that bothers you. Well, guess what? That's not a real question. It's because it bothers you. If it doesn't bother you, you don't have a question. Ah, so it's not a real question. It's my new front defense against kids who don't believe in Hashem. I'm like, but you believe in angels. It doesn't make a difference. An angel doesn't bother you. All of us, I can't prove to you. I can't prove to anyone in this room that angels exist. How can I prove that to you? I can't prove that to you. But none of you care. None of you like, Rebbe, I'm not leaving here until you prove me that an angel. I care. Because the angel doesn't tell you what to do. And we say, we say, Yeah! 
It goes on the right, it feels on the left, a real. No problems. You got angels walking with you. You got angels flying with you on the plane. Everybody's full of angels. No problem. God, whoa, where are you? Who are you? I don't know where you came from. What's going on? So if you go to the tacos, if you go to the middle and to where it counts, it's like, yeah, God's there. You know he's there. You just want to eat cake. You want to eat cake and you want to eat pretzels and potato chips. Okay, learn to separate the two. One doesn't mean, when you do an Avera, it doesn't mean, right? I heard once that, you know, if you do an Avera, so it's a lack of a moon and Hashem. Not always. It's an Avera sometimes is a taifa. I know you're there, Hashem. I know I shouldn't do this. I know I shouldn't have the potato chips. I know I shouldn't have the chocolate. I know it's wrong. I couldn't control myself. So I got to work on myself. But that doesn't mean that all the, all the research on diabetes is wrong. And I'm not taking my medicine because it's fake. You have to take care of yourself. So that's like very, very important. So here he said, Is Hashem still alive? What'd you do? What'd you guys do? And one of the other reasons that um, he asked, is my father alive? Even though a hundred times they, they said that he was, is because Yehuda over here lied because he was scared. So he told Yosef that his brother... His, his brother is dead, Yosef. He's telling Yosef that you're dead. And Yosef said, they know they only sold me, they didn't kill me. So if Yehuda said that, he's already lying about me. It's very possible he's lying about my father. But the Chidot says, beautiful. The Chidot says, in the he said, if they didn't recognize me, it must be they didn't see that for a long time. So they forgot his face. So that's why he thought he was dead. It's a sharp, sharp Chidot. Okay, we're going to end with the Chidot. Get in with the Chidot tonight. I hope for the angel thing a lot. I hope it's a fantastic terrace. It, it strips down what the real question is. Okay. But anyway, so I want to read you from the Chidot. The Chidot says the following. I knew Yosef They couldn't answer him, Kidnam. How do we pun of? Right? That when it says later, that Yosef was a Benzakunim, Ziv they had the same face. When he said, I'm Yosef, and he said, and I'm wondering if my father's still alive. My, my face looks like our father's. How could it be that you don't recognize me? Because they, 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 they were in awe of his face. How could it be that, that you didn't rec- recognize? Listen to, the, listen to who Yosef was. We'll end with this. Ah, maybe the who he was. He said, What did he do before that? What does the Pasuk say he did before that? He sent all the mitzvahs out of the room. Why? Why did he send them out of the room? He didn't want to embarrass his brothers. If he's going to do this in front of the Egyptians, I'm Yosef, you sold me, right? He's going to embarrass them. So he sent them all out of the room, all his soldiers, all his guards, all his protectors, after he saw that Yehuda was going to rip the world, rip his head off, right? And, and it says that Yehuda yelled so loud that Hushim ben Dun, who was deaf, he was deaf, and he was living in Eretz Yisrael, 
Yehuda yelled so loud that he heard him. He was deaf, and he heard him. So it was it was not not a joke. Okay, so. How could it be that he sent out all the Egyptians and he's left alone? His brothers wanted to kill him. He knew you who they wanted to kill him. He put himself in danger. Not to embarrass them. He specifically brought his father's name into it. And he, if he would have said, I need Yosef, they would have killed him. Yeah? If he would have just said, I need Yosef, they would have killed him. Why? Why did he add, I need, I, 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 I need Yosef? Because they, they, they were, they were, they wanted to kill him. Whoever that guy was, they figured he was Chayu Misa. Right? Oh, my need Yosef. Why did he add, Oide Vichai? He said, Kibish will cover up Allah Yagu. They're not going to kill me because of my father. How did he know that? The Afilu Esav. Even Esav, Loy Harag Yaakov, didn't kill Yaakov, the covenant of him, because his father was still alive. He said, in the Pasuk over there, Tamiyiku Yimei Evil Avi, when my father dies, then I'll kill Yaakov. So even Esav had enough respect not to kill his brother when his father was still alive. So Yosef said, I need Yosef, my father's still alive, so you can't be worse than Esav, so you can't kill me. That's why he answered, So, you just, you just see his that not to embarrass his brothers, he went ahead and he, um, and he sent out all his guards. He left himself totally at their, uh, at, at their mercy. That was Yosef. And in the end, you have to, you have to understand, you have to take it inside yourself. They sold him. They threw him into a pit. He ended up by Potiphar. He ended up in jail. He ended up in Mitzrayim, away from his father. He had every reason to take revenge. And he's worried that he's going to embarrass his brothers in front of the Mitzrayim. So he sent out all his guards and he put his life on the line so that he would not embarrass them after everything they did to him. That was Yosef HaTzadik. That's the Midos of Yosef. That's what we have to try to copy. We should see him, the Tchiyas HaMesim, and Harry Amenu Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.